Hi, everyone. I am Michelle Bell, the Vice President of Editorial with ASI, and I am here with Miles Lovegrove and Matt Franks, who are our 2021 Counselor International Persons of the Year. Congratulations, guys. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Yeah, it feels amazing. Yeah, I'm super happy for you guys. And I have to tell you, you were um, in the uh, awards selection committee, a super easy choice for us because I have kind of followed your story as I've gotten to know both of you and what you have done certainly over the past year has been amazing. And I want to touch on that a little bit, some of the points. Um, but I'm just curious right now, as you guys are in the UK, um, two things. How's business right now? Now that we're in Q2, we're midway, literally midway through the year. How's business and how's everything as far as COVID and your situation with, you know, are things opening up, masks, stuff like that? So can you just give us an update? Yeah, I'll, I'll hand over to Miles in, in terms of updating on the um, on the commercial side of things. But in terms of the, the COVID side, yeah, I mean, the, the UK is now opening back up again. We've had a slight hiccup with a new strain, which is um, which is kind of put everyone on the back foot a little bit. But but hopefully with, within about maybe three or four weeks away of, of properly opening up again, the economy with with literally no um, social restrictions. So I think there will still be a hangover for, for some of that and that will still impact us um in a work sense in terms of providing products also in terms of how we operate um, but, but generally speaking we're in a really good position in the UK now and it's just been it's been a crazy crazy year in, in every way for everyone but but for us in particular it, we we've um, we've yeah, had real commercial success um, uh, over the last 12 months uh, which is kind of off the back of, of a, a really good period of, of a few years uh, of growth anyway um, and the team have been just amazing um, so yeah, we, we're, we're kind of proud of what we've achieved, but also the, of, the, of the team behind us. But um, things are definitely picking back up, swinging back more in terms of uh, in terms of merchandise rather than PPE, in my view. But um, Miles, if you want to if you want to chip in with the commercial side, yes. yeah, absolutely. Wow. It's, so, it's so difficult, though, isn't it, to sort of compare the promo industry from where we were sort of twelve months ago, eighteen months ago. And I'm pretty sure every single person that you ask, they might also give a slightly different story. It's always very, very difficult to kind of almost compare it like for like. But, you know, me personally, I firmly believe that the, the merchandise business won't return to the same that it was you know, pre-COVID. I don't think you'll be able to make the sort of like for like, for like comparisons. You know, it's the unfortunately, the promo industry is the first sort of industry to suffer during a lockdown. You know, and it's exactly the same as within the last recession, really. You know, the, the, what we found in the UK is that housing markets tend to close up first. And then, you know, retail then follows because consumers, you know, stop spending and then businesses look to preserve cash. And, you know, typically speaking, um, you know, it's the marketing and the promo industry that kind of suffers, you know, because of that. Um, just to give you a comparison, I think um, uh, our business during the last recession back in 2008, our business took a sort of a 20 to 30 percent dip, something in that region. Um, but to give you a comparison, sort of when COVID hit in the UK in sort of March, April of last year, we took a 90 percent drop. It was absolutely incredible. And Michelle, you're nodding there. And I think that's probably similar to the to a lot of what the US oh, businesses exactly. have seen as well. So as you can imagine, we had to sort of pivot, you know, pretty quickly and, and look to sort of um, sell PPE items quite quickly. Um, but but in you know, as far as the market's concerned, though, that had a real significant impact on you know our um, supply chain and the number of companies. There's a, there's companies that have gone out of business, and there's you know um, supply partners that are no longer able to supply the same products that they used to. And I just think that the industry is definitely starting to show a, a rebound. You know, it's definitely starting to look better and more positive. But it's, I think it's adapted and I think it's changed based upon a lot of what our customers are doing. And that's specifically a result of COVID. So as an example, things like you know, companies and you know, people returning to work 
you know, they're, they're, you know, they're actually exiting their office space. You know, people are actually working more from home. And I think that's leading to a change within our industry. You know, things like those working conditions and people recruiting key personnel and engaging their workforce and recognition programs and trying to sort of, you know, motivate them. I think what we've actually seen is that, you know, we, there's this huge shift towards individual gifting, personalization of, of sort of products, you know, individual shipping, fulfillment, logistics. It's, it's, a, it's, it's changing and it's changing in a way that wasn't the same as before. You know, sort of on-demand gifting in the UK has gone absolutely crazy and our warehouse has never been sort of so busy. But I just think if, if that's the route that, that, you know, that the whole industry is moving towards, then, you know, it, it's a pretty inefficient way that people are used to, you know, rather than buying in bulk individually. Our systems and our technology, you know, is, it is in place, but it's not in place to make it as efficient as it, as it should be. So Fluid has continued to invest in software development, you know, to cope with those sort of changing times and changing industries. So there's obviously lots more sort of issues to come, um, but it'd just be interesting really to see how manufacturing changes, how product supply changes and how, you know, all the companies within our industry are going to sort of adapt to that. Um, and in the UK as well, we have Brexit to deal with, <laughs> which comes with a whole new rules and regulations and all that sort of stuff. So that's going to have sort of a, a big impact on, on us as well. So it's, um, you know, it's, it's difficult to sort of say how well the promo industry is doing. But I think everybody who's adapted well and can cope, you know, we, we are seeing a return to those sort of similar levels pre-COVID, but it's just different. And, and I think we, you know, we, have to, we need to be able to adapt to that. Boris Johnson, the gift that keeps giving. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so let me just ask you real quick, because I have so many questions for you guys. So um, compared to 2020 and 2019 miles, where are you guys now approximately like sales wise? Like, look, I know it, it, 2020 was, you know, a steep drop for most people, not so much for you guys, you know, and I'll get to that in a minute. But where are you like as far as you know, are you up 10% um, from last year and the year before right now, now that we're mid-year? Um, again, it's difficult to compare like, you know, sort of year on year, you know, as, as far as, um, you know, finances as a, a trigger of a, you know, a success factor. And it's not just profit, it's just, you know, it's not the sort of be all and end all. We've achieved lots of things that are sort of separate to profit as well. But if we're just talking sort of specifically on numbers, you know, we, we were on track to do a roundabout, 25 million dollar revenue roughly speaking around about that pre-covid um, and because of you know the amounts of you know pp that we sold we actually jumped up you know to a significantly more we actually jumped up to around about 40 million you know euro revenue turnover um, dollar turnover turnover um, but this year what we've actually seen is that drop back down um, however if you sort of track it if you go pre-covid we're pro if you took out sort of um, the covid revenue and the amounts that we actually you know the orders that we took on ppe we're probably about 30 percent up year on year um, however, that's not, you know, a typical industry trend. What we're actually finding is people dipped a lot and they're still low. You know, we're actually bucking that trend. And for lots of different reasons, you know, it's mainly down to the team and how, you know, sort of focused that we've been in terms of making sure that we're not cutting back on anything. We, we made no redundancies during, you know, COVID. We absolutely made sure that we carried on marketing, keep, kept pushing the team and kept developing and investing in our people. And I think that's 100%, you know, one of the major reasons that's like seen us through. So yeah, we spiked because of COVID, but if you took that out of it, we're probably sort of 30 to 40% up on sort of you on you. That's, that's wonderful. And Matt, when you and I spoke initially, when we were talking about this award, you mentioned two things that I think were really interesting as far as how you guys handled it and your strategy. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you did not have to let anybody on the staff go. You kept your staff. And just to let everyone be aware, Fluid Branding has, you have a footprint throughout Europe, really. I mean, you're based in the UK, but you have offices throughout Europe, and certainly you have an affiliation in the US, 
with companies like Overture, but I don't believe you had to really reduce staff. And the thing I thought was really interesting, Matt, you said that many companies during something like this that is so catastrophic, whether it's a recession, whatever, their tendency is to pull back. Things ramped back up because we all knew that they would, that you guys would be ready to hit the ground running. And would you consider that to be a real differentiator with what you did? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, you know, we, we've learned, we, we established a company in 2006. So we, we ran through a, a previous recession, you know, of some significance that we learned a lot from. Um, and the difference between now and then was that was in our second year of trading, second, third year of trading, sort of um, around 2008. Um, and we hadn't been able to, to put a war chest behind us or build up significant reserves. Um, this time off the back of um, uh, some, some you know, strong years between the, the previous recession and, and the COVID um, uh, situation, then we, we have and we've run it. We've run it. Um, we've grown the company quite um uh quite rapidly but we've done it in a, in a very kind of prudent way as well we, we have made sure that we've we've grown in a sustainable way and we've been able to kind of put some some cash you know left a lot of cash within the business um so we've never been one to kind of strip it strip it clean anyway um and and that allowed us really a little bit of leeway um so the lessons we learned from previous which was uh, that we, we took a very similar approach really um in terms of maintaining not only our team but, but investing more in terms of software and systems and, and making the use of the fact that there's going to be in certain areas of the business a lot more headroom and a lot more time to be able to tackle certain things that we would have loved to have tackled before, but but we didn't have the time or the, or the breathing space. Um, so we took a very deliberate um, decision to do that, to review a few areas, particularly IT, kept the full IT team uh, working throughout and, and cracking through some projects that had been backlogged for, for a little while. Um, we we did uh, make use of, of the furlough system in the UK. I don't know if it was in place in the US where where there's some government assistance to, to maintain staff where there was clearly too too much um, or too little work for some other people to do. The, the nature of the business changed phenomenally over a period of a few months. We were taking some very high value uh, orders um, for uh, but but relatively you know simple orders in terms of you know shifting stock around PPE and what have you has its own complications. You know, we, we employed instantly when we shifted over to that, we employed two people um, full-time on compliance, product compliance, <clears throat> to be very, to, to be make sure we were completely on the ball with that. But there were certain areas of the business where, you know, you're not dealing with branded products a lot of the time. It's a lot simpler to, to handle some of these products. When, when the order lands, um, it's relatively straightforward to push it through. So um, aside from some, some uh, you know, odd issues around that. Generally, some of the areas of the business were, were a bit more slack. So we, we made use of the furlough system, but brought people back as soon as we could. Um, and didn't, yeah, and we're fortunate enough not to, to need to lay anybody off at all. But what we didn't do as well was we didn't pull back on the marketing. And I think, you know, some of these kind of things, you, there is a, in, in any situation, um, you know, as, a, as an individual or as a company, there's a, there's a natural reaction. But I think sometimes you have to temper that a little bit and just, just catch your breath, just hold your nerve for a bit, assess the situation, and then make a decision with your head. Um, and that's what we, we chose to do. And um, and yeah, we continued to market ourselves very strongly throughout. We and really the tactic for, for the whole thing, or well, the strategy really, was was um, to to gain market share. Really, so we knew that the, the market was going to dip. We knew that we were in a good position. We looked after our staff before and during COVID, so we had a real loyal team there. Um, and so we knew that, you know, as we came back out of this, 
we're, we're in a really, really strong position to grow quickly again. Um, and that's shown the case at the moment. So it was similar, similar kind of um, approach to the, to the previous times, but with a slightly different environment. Because <laughs> we've never seen anything like this. <laughs> yeah, it's a environment uh, um, and understatement. Miles, you mentioned um, that there's, you know, a, a considerable shift as there is here in the U.S. as far as what do, what do people do now as far as work from home? And I've spent a lot of time on your website, you guys, and I love the way that you position your team. You clearly have a very um, robust team full of lots of personalities. Like I went through <laughs> every single person's little profile on who likes what. I loved it. It was it was great. Um, so I'm curious how you guys are going to handle that. Are you going to have people? It seems to me that your culture is very important to you. You guys mentioned it a lot when I interviewed you for your profile. So, you know, is that something that you're going to keep leaning into? Or are you going to forego some of your brick and mortar offices that you have throughout Europe? Because look, rent certainly is very expensive and people do love working from home. So I'm just curious where you where you kind of land on that. I, I like the fact that this um, sort of pandemic has thrown a bit of a, you know, a spanner in the works. It's, it's mixed things up a little bit because I think the typical way that the companies ran in the past, I don't think it's going to be the same again. You know, um, I've, we've, as a company, we've always been very flexible with our team. You know, I love the sort of saying about we treat our team as adults, we employ adults and we expect them to operate in that way. We give them the trust and we give them responsibility and the power to make their own decisions, to make mistakes and take risks and really sort of push every single challenge and avenue that, that they possibly can. And the fact that, you know, um, 100% more people within our organisation are going to be wanting to work from home either full time or on a flexible basis. And we should absolutely, you know, embrace that, you know, for lots of different reasons. And, you know, we within within the company, within Fluid, we, we, we talk about it quite a lot, but we have this um, defined structure within our organisation that we call the three pillars. And they're called our fluid friends, our fluid family and our fluid futures. And fluid family is all about the team and how we actually, you know, in, encourage them to be as best as they possibly can be. You know, really kind of look at how we recruit, how we train, how we develop and how we sort of coach those individuals to really sort of grow the business and take responsibility for, for growing those those aspects of the business. So, you know, it's a it's a big thing. And one of our sort of key um, strategic aims is always focused around culture. And it's to establish, you know, a, a business as a force for good as part of our B corporation. But it's also about, you know, aligning the teams, making sure that, you know, we're we're continually investing in our teams, continuing to, to help them develop and help them to grow. So I think that's, you know, if it's if productivity within Fluid is 100% definitely gone up, you know, during this period and people are, you know, taking responsibility whether they're working from the office or working from home. So we should embrace that and we should change, you know, with the times as we go. So to answer your question specifically, um, are we going to lose offices? We're definitely looking at each one on an individual basis. We have seven offices throughout the UK, sort of three international offices in Ireland and the Netherlands. And, you know, within those locations already, people already work from home. Um, however, if we if we need the offices, then we'll absolutely keep them open because, again, you know, that collaboration and, you know, people um, seeing each other on a day to day is really, really important. I think we will encourage them to still come in on a regular basis, even if they're working from home. But, you know, if we don't need the offices there, of course, there's no point in, in having the cost there, you know, to if we don't need it. But we will if it means that the team will be able to collaborate and, and work more efficiently. So our head office is definitely going to remain open and we'll look at all the other offices individually as we go. But it, it won't be a, a decision based purely on can we save some costs? 
it will be based upon what is right for the team, you know, within those locations and how they operate. Um, we've already sort of discussed something like that our London office will 100% still remain open. The team there get a lot more, and we discussed it with each one of those individuals, they'll get a lot more from going into the office every single day. So, um, you know, it's going to change a lot, you know, for, for lots of different companies out there. And then there's this whole question that's coming up within the UK at the moment as well, is what's going to happen to all that office space? You know, there's loads of companies within London that are all moving out of their head offices and it's going to create, a, you know, some a lot of space there that someone's going to need to do something with. So that'll be quite an interesting one, I think, for the next 12 months sure. in terms of, you know, how they adapt. Sure. Thank you. Um, Matt Franks, I have another question for you. <laughs> <laughs> so when I interviewed you guys um, for the profile I wrote, I, there's so much great information that you guys shared with me. One thing I was not able to fit in that I do want to touch on now, because I thought it was a, a really fascinating point, was I did talk about how you are one of the few industry companies in the UK. You're certainly one of the biggest distributors in the UK, but one of the few that's a certified B Corp. And um, Matt, some of the questions I had for you was how younger generations, Gen Y, millennials, really... Um, the way companies present themselves and who they are culturally really resonates with younger generations, whether it be a company's stance on sustainability, and they're, they're really kind of embracing product sustainability. But also when a company is making a drawing a line in the sand and saying, we are a B Corp, there's a lot behind that that really signifies the type of company that is. And you and I talked a little bit about how you, how you guys have seen the younger buyers respond to that and what they really there's like a direct line between the type of companies they want to do business with and where they're putting their dollars and if you could just yeah. talk about that a little bit yeah um so we um let's say i touched on the growth of the company before and we, we kind of went through as we came out of the recession and went into that kind of uh, period of time between the you know between what 2012 2013 and and um and a couple of years ago there was a, a period of time where we we did a bit of self-reflection. We we kind of um, felt as a company we'd kind of we'd hit hit those kind of later teenage years. It felt like in terms of our our life as a company, we kind of grown up a little bit and um, a, a bit like an individual. You, you do a bit of self-reflection, and, and we did that. And we said, right, we need to. Well, who are we as a company? Who are we as a team of people? Um, and we went. Through, it took us a couple of years or so, really, to to analyze who we were and and. How do we differentiate? You know, we felt different, but how do we actually articulate that? And so, what came out of that was it was all about the team and, and all all about the the ethos of the company. Um, so us as kind of leaders of the company, I guess, but also the culture and the and the and the team that we've got, the team of of, um, of individuals all all across the company. And and really, that came came out in terms of a, 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 there's a definite sense of purpose behind it. And we weren't just trying to just trying to make a profit. It wasn't all about making money. Uh, yeah, that was clearly a you know financial and, and commercial success was definitely a big part of it. But but there was much more to it than that. And so that's when um, it's actually a good friend of mine was was quite heavily involved in the B Corporation as it as it came into came across to the UK. Um, and I was aware and chatting to him socially um, and and thought this was a really good way. It tied in really well with this kind of um, uh, self-identity and this reflection that we've done about who we are as a company. So we we effectively rebranded about probably four or five years ago now, um, and and off the back of that, the, the, we we formed these three pillars that Miles touched on, and um, and we went through the whole B Corp journey and, and things like that. And it was really enlightening, and it was a relief almost to to kind of 
feel what was always always there within the company, but just I'd say to be able to define and articulate it, and it helped us to, then to, to differentiate. Um, so commercially, I think it's been a really solid uh, thing to do, but actually it's, it's very genuine and very kind of um, there's integrity there as well. So what what we thought from a or what we realised very early on from a um, from a commercial uh, point of view was that it, it absolutely aligned us with a, with a, a new wave of, of buyers that are coming through and a new generation, both in terms of our customers, but also then the, the teams that work for us, you know, and more more that you know to attract and to, and to retain top people within the company. They had to, you know, I think the world's moved on, and, and a lot of the talent that are coming out um, probably for the last few years now. I've been looking for something more than just um, working for a kind of a corporation or a or a financially driven organisation, and they want to actually feel like they they're learning and growing themselves, but also making a difference in the world. And so that kind of it really fitted, and it ticks all the boxes for us. If yeah, so it's a bit of a cliche, but it, it kind of fitted really well for us. So commercially and and from a per- personal point of view, both for Miles and I, it fitted really well. Um, and it's it's allowed us to go from strength to strength, really. And it, it really, we fall back onto that on, on decision making throughout the company now in terms of recruitment, in terms of clients that we work with, in terms of product selection, in terms of training of teams, in terms of working with communities around us and, and, and the, the kind of fluid futures and the, the kind of more... Um, uh, philanthropic, philanthropic side of things, in my view. Um, so there's, there's, yeah, it, it's been a really, really um, sound move for us, and it makes us. It, that was part of that growing up as a company. So Miles t- touched on we employ adults. Um, I think we we kind of feel like an adult now as well, which is a bit weird. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Um, I just wanted to touch on because again, obviously, you guys are our 2021 International Persons of the Year. And you were part of the group that kind of spearheaded um, a new kind of entity called Brand Unbound, which is a really interesting concept. And it's it seems to me that it's a it's kind of a well curated group of uh, best in class distributors from different places around the globe. Um, in the U.S., of course, it's Overture, which is one of our top 40 companies. And I think there's Tango in Canada, if memory serves. Yeah. Um, so if you could just touch on a little bit, because, you know, this this award in particular speaks to how important it is in, in promo to, to have a kind of a global mindset and to have a, a global footprint. And if you could just talk a little bit about the importance of that and, and how that's helped your business. Yeah, definitely. I think when it comes to global, you know, presence, it's just, you know, delivering products on a local level is then almost vital. You know, it's it's impossible to say that you're a global company and then not have a presence within those localized, you know, uh, countries or locations. So Brand Unbound really is a is a collection, like I say, best in class. You know, we, we sort of been working with Overture for a long period of time and the other partners there. But really what we do is we work together to support, you know, that, that aspect of the need for global thinking, um, but also that aspect of local execution as well. Um, so we don't know everything that's going on within the US and likewise, the, you know, they might not know everything that's going on within, the, within Europe. So we definitely sort of lean on each other in a collaborative way. We sort of collaborate over lots of different things and communicate over lots of different things, including buying the products and shipping and cost efficiencies and all the types of things that, that we can to be able to give that global presence to our, to our um, customers. So it's worked really, really well from that point of view, but it is vital to have that local execution as well. So the knowledge of the merchandise consultants who are actually working there is really, really important. And then what happens is our clients then receive relevant merchandise within that region. You know, it's things like, you know, the French market is very different from the German market. I think the stats are out there, something like 65% of 
you know, the German consumers want environmentally friendly products, you know, whereas the majority of French consumers want products that are actually manufactured in France, you know, whereas, whereas the Netherlands are, are not so worried. So it's, it's having that local knowledge and execution that is absolutely vital. So, you know, we, we trust each other. We trust our partners to be able to deliver that. And we just felt that that is the best approach for our business. And it definitely speaks volumes because, um, because of that global partnership, we've gone on to win some quite substantial tenders and contracts from big clients over in Europe. So, it, you know, it's been, a, it's been a great platform for that and a great platform for, you know, our customers as well, because they know that if they need anything within those localized regions, then there is a cohesive and joined up approach to the merchandise that is delivered. And also that, you know, the companies that are, looking after their brand and policing it properly are there and they're going to they're going to do that properly and they're going to actually ensure that you know that the world looks after wherever you know their their um, employees are around the world so it's been it's been the, the right approach for us that's great so if you guys had to pick one area in the world that you can identify as like that is a really interesting growing market that we're keeping on our, our eye on whether maybe you want to open an office there or just that you see real business potential where would it be now this this is a this is a really interesting one because um, it's it's almost impossible to be able to say that and and what I mean by that is what what our requirements are may be very very different to somebody else's requirements and all I would definitely say is it's all in the research you've got to understand the reasons why you're looking to get into those markets first and foremost because otherwise it's just going to be a you know a fail from the beginning um, within Europe Germany is definitely the biggest market you know it's by far the biggest and immediately you kind of go oh let's Let's, you know, expand into Germany because, you know, there, there's a lots of potential there, but it's also the most competitive, you know, so why would you want to, why would you want to do that? So typically speaking, when we've kind of looked at sort of different country locations and, you know, where, where it might be a good idea to expand to, there's loads of, you know, sort of key factors that we look into, and that is things like ease of entry, size of the market, how much competition is there, is it complex over there, even down to things like language and culture and cost. You know, all comes into it. So I think you know any company needs to have a plan, needs to actually understand the reasons why they want to enter that market, and then you know decide to move forward on that basis. It was quite interesting. We did this research a little while ago, and the countries that within Europe that came sort of top of our list of potential were, were not ones that you would even think about. Do you know what I mean? You kind of think, oh, really? But actually, once you look into the research, the the markets are really, really great, and there's very little competition there. So it's it's yeah, you need a sort of a plan first and foremost, I think, to go there. And then the second thing is just I love data. You've got to get under, you know, got to get into the numbers and understand it. And you know, we we're actually um, uh, we're soon to be acquiring a company in, in Paris, in France. And part of that, we actually went through a due diligence process of looking at how big that market was. And Google's great for this. You know, they can tell us exactly who's searching and where they're searching and when they're searching, what products they're searching for. And we're able to establish exactly what that market is going to be like for us by using the information that's historically there and is available, you know, um, real time and whenever you need it. So I think definitely research and data and analyzing exactly what you need as a company is, is the most important thing. So I haven't really answered your question there, Michelle. <laughs> I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sort of sitting on the fence, but I genuinely believe it's, it's all down to the individual company and what they're, what they're looking to do and what they're looking to move to. I got add something quickly in there. And um, well, apart from the fact that I, I love Miles because he loves data. Um, uh, but also, yeah, it's a bit of push and pull as well, Michelle. So it's a bit of kind of, um, you know, some of it is is us um, uh, having a deliberate um, approach to to kind of growing the company overseas and and, and what have you. And some of it is where our clients demand it or where our partners demand it. And so, um, so yeah, it, it's a bit of a kind of a moving moving uh, feast really in terms of you know some of it is driven by us and where we we strategically want to grow.
um, and some of it is is kind of external and and um, uh, and driven by others. Really. Okay. I have two more questions. Ready? First is, what are you happy to let go post COVID? Like so much changed. What are you happy to, you know, kind of, you know what? That was a great change that we're not going to go back to. Face masks. I'm going to let go of face masks. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Miles, you can go first on that. Oh, I don't know. I haven't really sort of, I haven't really thought about it. You do you mean from a business perspective? Yes. Um, to be honest with you, I, I think the way that the team adapted and the way that the team sort of communicate now, I definitely don't want to let go is we is, uh, had a few comments back from our senior leadership team and, you know, the teams of people that then sort of reporting to them about how good communication was and how good that sort of adapted. And one of the things obviously that everybody now does is, you know, video conferencing. You know, previously we used to travel around the whole country and meet up on a regular basis and it used to cost a lot of money just getting there and time as well and all that sort of stuff. Whereas now within a few minutes, you can all jump on a, you know, a video call together and have those conversations relatively quickly and easily without having sort of days out of the office. So I think I definitely, I love the fact that, you know, not only within our company, but also our clients are embracing it. And actually they're, they're actually seeing the time savings and the cost saving benefits of, of um, video conferencing. I don't think we should, you know, I definitely wouldn't want to move away from it entirely. You know, there, there's still, you know, there's still lots of benefits in having face-to-face -face meetings, both as a company and with our clients. However, you know, I, I do think there's a lot more achieved and we're a lot more productive as an organization because we can have those conversations quickly and it can be dealt with quickly and then, you know, that it can be moved on. So I think, you know, personally, I, I, I know our teams communicate a lot more than they ever have. Um, you know, and I think that's mainly down to sort of video conferencing and having a sort of schedule. And also the other thing I love about it is that there's no time wasted. You know, there's no kind of, you know, don't get me wrong, it's lovely to have a cup of coffee before you move into meetings. But, you know, typically what we're seeing now, especially with our clients, is it's, it's a hard stop. You know, we are, we are meeting at this time. Everyone dials in at that time. And at three o'clock or four o'clock, whenever it's up, it's, it's done. They're off and they say, look, unfortunately, I've got another meeting to go to. And, and that's when you finish. And I think because of that, people are then more focused on the, the objectives of that particular meeting as well. So they're straight to the point and they're getting the, the work done. And again, it's being much more productive. So for me, I definitely wouldn't want to lose video conferencing, um, whichever platform you use. Um, you know, I, I definitely think that's uh, been a real positive and something that should be should stay. I totally agree with you. I would not discount, though, the advantage of meeting people in person. Less you can get. I would not know you guys had Matt Franks <laughs> and I not met in some remember that little bar at that weird little hotel at the at the show <laughs> alcohol was not involved <laughs> <laughs> so my last question for you guys is i know that you you've made some recent acquisitions clearly you have another one on the horizon what's your goal what's your plan one to three years for the company keep expanding more offices more 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 one of the things it's um, again allowed us to do is, is um, we probably would have done it anyway, if I'm honest, but it is reflect again in terms of um, the next stage of growth for the company. Um, so we have a, a both a one to three and a three to five year plan. And so, you know, it takes us up to up to year three and then where we're going beyond that. Um, what, we've, what we all probably know um, about planning is that you, the only thing you know is that it won't go to plan. It, you know, you can put all the plans in place, but it, but it won't, life won't work out quite that way. Um, but you need a plan and a vision. So I think we're more about the vision than the specific plan. The, the plan really is to grow, and we have targets that we're going to grow to um, over the next three years, and that is 
split back, split down between organic um, growth and acquisition. So we have <clears throat> we have a, a separate plan for acquisition and organic. We we've weighed them up in terms of the, the contribution uh, from both of those to the to the overall growth. Um, we are we have some aggressive growth growth targets in place. So. Um, We've always been um, ones for setting quite large targets and then almost spookily hitting them. Um, so it's like you put these figures down and you think, oh, they're, they're a stretch. And then you almost, you, you know, it's amazing how that affects all the decision making, not only for yourselves, but if you communicate that well within the team, everyone pulls together to make it happen. Um, and so we've got those stretch targets in place again uh, between now and, and year three. Um, and then it's kind of uh, probably a level up again, uh, but probably involving external partners at that, at that stage. And that, that could be in, again, a number of different ways. So we've always driven the business with, uh, with an eye for keeping options open. And so rather than a particular hard plan that we have, um, we go in a, a particular direction with, with quite a lot of you know, thinking and, and, um, and uh, talented team behind us. But then we always try and leave a few options open. Um, and that's that's the plan again, really. Yeah, and there's some other aspects to that as well, because, you know, um, revenue margin, of course, is really, really important. It's a, it's a good success indicator. But as a company, it's not the be all and end all. You know, we're, we're a big corporation. And because of that, you know, it's we look at success in lots of different ways as well, including our team and our customers and our society, our community, our environment. And all of those things are part of you know strategic aims moving forward. So, you know, within generally within our sort of plan over the next three years is to in, ensure that we keep developing in, in, you know, some key areas. And not the first one is just service, you know, customers are our priority. We need to give them the the, the 100 percent, you know, what, what they deserve and what they're, they're expecting. Um, but we want to focus on service, we want to focus on communication, you know, we want to commit to delivering meaningful work, merchandise as we do and making sure that we deliver it on time. We also love kind of disrupting our industry a bit, you know, sort of trying to lead those quality standards and ethical standards, I think is really, really important. You know, the, the second thing is our culture. You know, we're always looking to establish a more sustainable business. B Corporation could talk about this, um, you know, being a force for good. But, you know, if we can stand up with other B Corporations and really sort of fly the flag for sustainable business, that's going to be, you know, fantastic from our side. So we want to ensure that that understanding gets, you know, promoted throughout the company and that everybody feels that and they're all, you know, pulling in the same direction. So we want to invest in the teams and we want to make, make sure that they're sort of growing in, in exactly the right way. And then the last thing is always technology. We've been the company that we've always kind of embraced technology. We we're looking to embed you know full e-commerce within you know our, our client experience, which would be great if we can we can do that fully. But also you know our ERP systems, making sure we've got full integration, making sure that it talks to our website and our merchandise stores and our supply chain as well, and just making sure that whole kind of user experience for our customers is is good. And you know there, there's so many more things that are developing that we're seeing from the retail industry now in terms of order efficiencies, you know, delivery tracking, order details, all that sort of stuff that we we should be doing and could be doing. So I think you know there, there's lots of things that we've achieved in the last 12 months that I would say success, and it's not you know necessarily all just about profit. There's loads of developments that have happened because you know we're we're focusing on business being sustainable rather than you know you know just hopefully you know our our business will still be here long after me and Matt are not sort of talking on webinars and podcasts anymore. And, you know, it will be the, you know, the, the next wave of individuals that are coming through and really sort of flying the sustainability flag as well. So, you know, I think that's, that's sort of our goal. That's an important point as well, Miles, is um, I think over the last sort of year or two, putting a senior leadership team in place and then allowing us to kind of step out of the operational to a certain extent, I think has been a real key factor for us. Um, and that, that senior leadership team are now pretty established. And, 
um, and it's allowed us headspace to, to kind of um, to kind of you know, lift ourselves out of the day to day really, and 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 not only to to operate the company, but to actually for them to drive the company forward, and and we've really seen massive progress over the last twelve months in that, um, and you know that's just kind of you know real credit to them really, but yeah, that's a big difference. It, it seems to me that when you guys set goals, you go big or go home. Because one of the <laughs> things that, that you mentioned to me that is in the article, correct me if I'm wrong, but one of your goals is to be carbon net neutral. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, a big that's, one. Yeah, it is a big one. We're, we're following, um, B Corporation have a, a plan, a platform that sets out, and we're following their sort of guidelines as it goes at the moment. But it but it is a big one. You know, we, we I sort of mentioned earlier about sort of, you know, profit, you know, whether that is seen as the a success factor. And yes, it should be. But yeah, we've made a commitment now to go net zero. Um, and that is not just about reducing our carbon emissions by 2030, but that's, you know, trying to genuinely cut them, you know, rather than just offsetting. Um, we're actually in, embarking on a on an offsetting campaign with ecology where we're going to be planting trees when people place orders for customers, and which is a, a great incentive. And I'm 100% I'm behind it. But really, we should be looking at how we can cut emissions rather than just offsetting emissions. So it's a big step forward, you know, and uh, yeah, I, th I think it's definitely something that we should be doing. And I think a lot of those, um, you know, companies, that, again, are part of B Corp are really setting the standard there and helping each other, collaborating together to really, you know, drive that forward. And there's no reason why we, we shouldn't be able to hit that. But wouldn't life be dull without a few big challenges, I'm sure. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> I don't even know what that would look like, Matt Franks. <laughs> Well, I want to thank you guys, first of all, and really congratulations. You are a wonderful, Fluid Branding is a wonderful example of what it is to be an international company. And thank certainly congratulations to you both. I'm just, I'm disappointed that we, you won't be able to join us in Chicago and we're not having the, the counselor banquet this year. We will next year because if there's nothing I would love more, it would be to buy you to a very fancy drink at this swanky establishment <laughs> known as The Lodge. <laughs> I've heard about that place, yeah. <laughs> well, well, thank we'll you sometime soon. For sure, for sure. I will be in, uh, in Europe as soon as we can in January. But thank you guys very much for your time. And again, congratulations on your award. Thanks so much. Thanks, thank Michelle. you very much. Bye, guys. Bye.